Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. It's August 31st. The what's this? The end of the second trimester of the year. We're going to be talking to you for the next hour or so. We got Jesse James. Sorry, Jesse Jess. Jesse James. <laughs> Jesse Jess. Uh, real name Jessica Rose Clark. Former UFC bantamweight. Did the flyweight thing for a while. Now she's going to be competing at Lion Fight Muay Thai on September 23rd. So we'll catch up with her there, see what her future is, not just in that sport and that organization, but in combat sports going forward. Along with that, we got some of the latest news, including the results from Dana White Contender Series two nights ago. And, of course, we look forward to the Paris show that's coming up here on Saturday with some really, really quality fights. We got Spivach versus Gone, and we have Santo, sorry, uh, Manon Fioron versus Rose Namayuna. Santos fought last week, what am I talking about? So buckle up, folks. We'll reset, and we'll be right back to start the show. All right, guys, so there's a lot of news since Monday, but we'll take it in order. First, we got Dana White Contender Series. This is season seven, episode four. It's all done. It's all said and done. Last week, they calmed down a little bit. First of all, they didn't have five contracts to give out because they only had four fights. Of those four fights, they only gave out away three. Still, they're on quite the pace, right? This year, or this week, we had five fights again. And they still only gave out three contracts. It basically went to the finishers. Carlos Prates, who defeated Mitch Ramirez via TKO. Thomas Peterson, who defeated Chandler Cole via submission. And Bolai Oki, who defeated Dylan Salvador via TKO. Some vicious body shots. So congrats to them. They go in. Four weeks in, your thoughts on Dana White Contender Series. It's still the blockbuster that we all kind of have been talking about right i think it's still fun um i really don't dig the giving out five contracts all the time i I feel like that needs to be a little bit more selective especially when the guys that you're getting rid of off the roster are pretty decent fighters and most of them beat the guys that are coming in right so i wish they would kind of tone it back a little bit on that but other than that it's fun it's entertaining so i'll i'll present the other side although i basically agree with you it is more fun when it's a little more selective but yeah there probably are some veterans that could still beat some of these young up-and-comers but they might be 35 38 Mm -hmm. they might be four and four in the last five or eight nowhere near a title shot and banking 200 just to show from a business sense would it make more sense for the ufc to go well let's start investing in the future it is. I just don't think they should do it at that pace because if you look at some of these cards, 
there are a lot of names that we just don't know. And if I'm a guy that's uh, wanting to buy a ticket to a card or something, I think I'd rather see these veterans that are maybe on their way out than I would so many of these just these guys that I have nothing, not really invested in. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, we still got six more weeks of this here in 2023. And I really dig it. I can't control, obviously, how many get in and get out. Only Dana can. I'm sure the guys sitting next to him have some, maybe some influence. And I'll give them some credit. And that would be, of course, Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, and I suppose Hunter Campbell as well. I think Hunter is more like closer to Dana than the matchmakers. He kind of handles the, the bigger negotiations, the guys that aren't jiving with Dana and just want a fresh face. But I think the other two are the ones that are in constant contact with managers and getting pitched different fighters and scouting different fighters. So hopefully, hopefully what they're hearing or what they have to say is being heard is what I wanted to say. But ultimately, Dana's kind of made it clear. The slate is clean when you come here. And well, so once you're here, he goes, I really don't want to know too much about you. You could be riding a 10 fight win streak. You could be riding a two fight win streak. Now, you're when he looks down and sees your record. I mean, I, th- I think you must at least know their names, faces and their records. But who knows? But I, I think he's got to have some data. What he probably doesn't want to know is, you know, are you high maintenance or. uh Anything, I guess, that could influence his decision, although they do some of these packages, you know, on that I do tug at the strings sometimes. Oh, yeah. Tug at, you know, the heartstrings, I should say. Um, Fight till the end. If you go to a decision, but you're fighting till the end, I think he'll take you. Finish, obviously, and he'll pretty much take you, especially if it's impressive. I wouldn't say don't be a jerk. I think there's some component to being a jerk is still okay, especially if you're kind of drawing booze or a reaction on social media, Twitter. And I think he'll see you maybe as a heel, not to to go the pro wrestling route, but he'll see something, you know, Mm -hmm. that uh is making the crowd react within the apex it's a small little sample size it's almost you know what it is goes you ever go to the movies where you have to basically you're you're part of a test product i guess a screening an advanced screening and then they close all the doors they don't let you get out and you Mm -hmm. have to answer some questions and this almost seems like that at times yeah a little bit there's no denying you have what's that go ahead I've never been to one of those, but you have? I have, yeah. I think one or two. And I remember on the second one, my buddy Mike, his brother Steve, said, all right, guys, let's learn our lesson from the last one. Let's start to sneak out because the movie's ending. And they wanted to stop us, but they weren't stopping us. <laughs> but you can try and sneak out just before, but basically they they want you to stay. That's, that's part of the deal. You got an advanced screening but we need you to answer questions. And, you know, 
we just, I guess, felt like getting out of there. But I don't remember it being the to- most torturous thing. But you just, that age, you want to just watch the movie and then go have a bite to eat. You don't remember anyway. the movie? Oh, hell no. Mm. No. Uh, all right. I look back at, I'm going to just jump around and give you names. Kurt Holobaugh, Sean O'Malley, Jeff Neal, Julian Marquez, Alex Perez. He's fought for a title. Grant Dawson, Matt Frivola, uh, Alonzo Menafield, I think, is still chugging along. Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, Keep Ryan's it. fan, just took a loss. Uh, Antonina Shevchenko, although I, I seem to think that she's probably done soon. She's already a, a pilot. And flying planes, I think her route is Caribbean, Northeast, something like that. So good for her. She's already, I think, turning the page on the next career. Macy Barber, Edmund Shabazian, Jimmy Crute, Sodique Youssef, Roosevelt Roberts. Now, Roberts and Hollowball have already made it in in seasons one and two. One for Hollowball, two for Roberts. Gotten cut. And then come back to the reality show. Mm-hmm. Juan Adams, I don't even remember if he's still in the UFC. I think he is, yeah. Ian Hines, I heard, just retired. Kennedy and Chuck Wu, who's still there. Now we get to the Brazil season. Myra Bueno Silva, who prior to that medication she just got popped for, was in a really good spot to contend for a title. Augusto Sakai had a nice run. Then he got checked. I think he's still banging at the heavyweight division look at these three tyla santos johnny walker marina rodriguez holy cow that's a nice one two three punch there from that one week of brazil diago moises luana carolina vinicius moreira puna soriano miles johns hunter azure jonathan pierce mackie patolo oday osborne dontel mays Brendan Allen's a big one. Jamal Hill, Billy Q, Sean Woodson, Tracy Cortez. Wow. Herbert Burns. Oh, no. That's the younger brother who had a little bit of a rougher run here. Andre Muniz, Philip Rowe, Dusko Todorovic. Huh. I mean, things pretty damn successful, man. It is. I, I wish they would do summer season, winter season, do away with tough and probably Invicta. Just give some money to Shannon App. Thank you for what you started. But let's start funneling some of those ladies. Let's get an Adam, Adam weight division mm-hmm. going. You know what I mean? I don't know. Adam weight. Do you think there's a lot of girls that would go down, or do you think it would be more of a new crop? There'd be maybe five that would go down. Tisha Torres is pretty light. Um, I'd have to have the names in front of me, and I can tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, this one's pretty light, and I think they could make it. Hell, you know, I used to think Rose Namajunas kind of was on the lighter side, like her frame, you know what I mean? I didn't mm-hmm. see her as being oh closer to flyweight than straw than Adam weight. I saw it more the other way around. But she's saying now that she may never go back to straw weight. Now this has probably been a fun camp for her, not having to watch her weight and dieting as strictly as she 
probably no one really does. I'm sure she's always walked around at more than 125, so she's probably got to cut to 125. And that, of course, means a happier Rose Nama Eunice, who is, means Pat Berry's in a better mood. I get that. But, man, she is facing a specimen, goes in Manon Firo. So, yeah, who knows there? But That was a little difficult to pick when we were doing our staff picks because I tend to get Rose fights wrong all the time. But Manon Firo is tough, dude. And going up in a division, I don't know. Who do can you share who you ended up going with? The other one would be Tabitha Ricci's another one I can think of that's a little shorter in stature, but she's nine and one as a strawweight. So who knows? What what do I know, right? Okay, yeah. The other one, what? Who'd you pick in that fight, the Rose Dominus fight? Ooh, I went with let me give you the accurate answer because I did go back and forth on that one, but I turned it in a few days ago. I want to say it was Manon Fioro. Yeah. So one stat that I heard from, I mean, I guess it's not a stat because I'm not going to back it up with data or numbers. But one thing I heard a long time ago from somebody who breaks down fights quite often and is, I consider, very good at it. Basically, when it comes to women's MMA, if you have a powerhouse, if you have a powerhouse, in a certain division, they can really, really dominate, regardless of if they have a deficiency, like a hole that they need to fill. You know, like a, a, there's a skill, certain skill set, like, oh, this person, you take their back, it's over. They'll, they're tapping or their striking's awful or whatever. But if you just have strength and power in women's MMA, you can just thump. Mm-hmm. Case in point. Uh, Chris Cyborg for a long time. I think, you know, obviously she's definitely rounded out her game slowly but surely, but there were a lot of times where I think she could just grab you and throw you to the ground. You know what I mean? Just to avoid the takedown. And Kayla Harrison, again, I mean, great technique with the judo and everything, but I think a lot of times on the ground scrambling, just physically strong, imposing Ronda Rousey, the other day I was asked, well, what would happen if she comes back? And I go, you know what? One-on-one against somebody, not Amanda, she's gone. Put her up against Rocky or Juliana Pena, she could possibly win. I don't know how much she's still been training. I don't know how much athleticism she still has. She's now a mom. She's been doing another another type of combat sport, if you want to call it that, in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how sharp her skills are or, or, or aren't or whatever. But if she gets her hands on you because she's physically strong, puts you to the ground, I mean, those two might struggle a little bit when it comes to fighting off the damn armbar. Um, I don't remember Rocky having the greatest takedown defense. I think he could get her down eventually. She's got great hands. She knows how to throw hands for sure. And Pena, obviously, longer reach. But anyway, what I did say was, but if you stick Ronda Rousey in now and say you don't get a direct title shot, you got to win a couple. I don't see her winning a couple and still being champ. Because along the way, you're going to face a skill set that's just... Right. You know what I mean? So, anyway, it's an amazing way to buy time. However, Firo, yeah. Gone, Firo, BSD, meaning Benoit Saint-Denis, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. I went with Volcan, Oizdemir, Gomez, and Lochran. And I think we've had a a few changes there. But, yeah. You? 
I went with Manofiro. I, but I, I really went back and forth on it a lot. It, it, I probably put about 10, 15 minutes into it. I don't like See, going I think, Rose. I think if Rose gets checked and realizes, oh boy, in the clinch she was strong, her power was too much, I think she'll reconsider. Look, her last fight at Strawweight was an awful one. Yeah, we get it against Carla. But other than being 0-2 against Carla, she's pretty much dominated well, I mean, she's 2 and 0 against Jean Wei Lee, the champ. Mm-hmm. She's 2 and 0. Oh, no, she's 1 and 1 against Andrade. But Andrade has been losing, so I don't see them even having to go the route of a trilogy. She was 2 and 0 against Joanna. You know what I mean? So she's had some success. Yeah. I mean, you know, multiple time champ. I don't see why she wouldn't want to go back, but I. Uh, the cut, maybe. Well, we'll learn more about it. They, they they did a lot of media out there in Paris, France. It's probably the answer probably awaits us if we go to youtube.com forward slash MMA junkie video and just hear what she has to say. I'm kind of going off headlines. Speaking of headlines, goes here's a few things. So Dana is really disappointed about the whole Sterling Devolish really thing. But he's basically saying, Well, what are you doing here? You know, I mean, almost like implying other promotions are are available for you to continue and i think he's talking to morab davalashvili here you know here's a quote he says everybody in this room and everybody that watches this video knows how i feel about this shit yeah i hate it and if that's why did you even get into the sport he kind of pauses and changes direction why did you even get in the sport that's your mentality in the way that you think i don't want the title I don't want the championship. We're friends. We're this. We're that. He continues. This is not. Then changes course. You could be friends with everybody in this business. There's a lot of nice people in this business. A lot of good people. This is not about friendship. This is about finding out who the best in the world is. And if you don't want to find that, find out who the best in the world is, this is not the place for you. You should be somewhere else. There's plenty of places to fight where they don't give a shit about you. Doesn't work here. Now, Sterling answered via the Instagram post of us posting Dana White's comment. He put he went into the comments and said, this is Sterling, give him the title shot then, referring to, to DeVos Really, Either way, it's a win for us. Hashtag family. Okay. Thoughts on that, Go Start with Dana. I agree and I disagree. Um, look, if you've been in these gyms, there are guys who train with each other because that's what they need to do. And then there are guys that have been doing it so long together that they just become practically brothers, right? Um, I think if you're in prize fighting, you're not going to get far unless you have people you can trust, training partners, friends. But you have to be aware that at some point you may have to fight. I think what Aljamain Sterling and Rav Devalishvili did wrong was I think they could have that stance, but they needed some kind of end game, right? And we thought we had it. Uh, if Sterling moves up, then it's Rav's time. But not having that end game where if Sterling loses that fight, they should have just had some kind of plan to say, 
this happened, this is what happens going forward. But they're kind of both like up in the air still. That part I get. That can be very annoying. And and you know, like I don't I don't know how long Rab wants to sit around and just wait and be this great friend. They should have had some kind of idea of what was gonna happen. Now, Aljamain Sterling kind of just put all that to rest, you know, in our comment section, it just basically said, if he wants a shot, if you want to give him the shot, give him the shot. That's where I get a little upset with Dana because I feel like if you just picked up the phone and and asked that, you might have just got that response instead of having to bury two of your fighters, especially one that it seemed like for so long you weren't getting along with, and now it seemed like everything was okay. I just feel like it's a little lazy. His answer, though, is also an answer to future problems like this. Right. So he addresses this, and then kind of says, everyone out there listening, any other friends out there, you know, that might be here in this room at this time, or friends of friends that might have this problem looming, you know? Mm -hmm. This is my stance, which he's kind of done along the way, starting with, well, I don't know when it started, but Chuck and Tito. I mean, he managed both. They wouldn't fight. Tito says they were friends. Chuck was like, yeah, I did come down from slow, meaning San Luis Obispo, to train with you. I crashed on your couch. I mean, you, you probably offered it. Who knows? Did we share meals together? Yeah. Did I probably get to know some of your family? Yeah. But were we lifelong friends? Now, was Tito completely avoiding them either? Tito was, I remember Tito saying, hey, you have to pay us a lot of money. So he was also negotiating. And then throwing out the friend line. So, who knows? Then you got Fitch, Koscheck, Swick, Rashad and Jones, TJ and what Uriah maybe I don't know. I, I I honestly can't remember them all. But this one's confusing because I think a lot of it had to do goes they they overlooked O'Malley. They never thought O'Malley could beat them, and so the perfect way for Sterling to exit was I now move to featherweight because he hasn't tasted the power to put him down the way he admitted to us when he said, wow, if O'Malley can put me out, I wonder what Volkanovski might be able to do to me. I don't know about going up now. And plus, you're no longer champ. You're probably I don't know what you're thinking at that moment when you're still wearing the gloves, you're still sweating, you're clearing the cobwebs, you're staring out into, you know, the stadium the arena and some people are still in there and then you see the guy that just beat you with his whole family they're still in the octagon taking pictures and your whole life goes before you i lost my title i -hmm. lost my the way i can you know my say in the division my pay-per-view points whatever it's all gone. God damn it. And, and then you go and take a shower. You know, he came out in a suit. I imagine he took a shower. You, t- you take a shower, just not trying to be Izzy here. You just start thinking of stuff, man. You start thinking of stuff. You probably question yourself. Why did I kickbox so much? Who knows? Man, I fucked this one up. I want this damn thing back. You know, they didn't plan for that. Marab, a kind friend that he is, is probably trying to console him, you know, and there ain't no way you can console him by saying, ah, don't worry, man, shake it off. Just take on one of those featherweights and then Volkanovski, and you're on your hell no. You know, he's trying to console him. I'll give him that. He's a good friend. 
But Yagas, they they didn't plan for exit plan B, only exit plan A. There used to be one where Devalashvili would entertain 125, but I think at this point, Devalashvili is like, my hand just ain't ready to go. I can't go. So even if they don't give, see, Morav could have just sat there quiet and just kind of shrugged his shoulders, right? He could have probably even said, yeah, I, I back Aljo to get his, his immediate rematch. Let's say just knowing by reading MMA Junkie and hearing things and social media, he knows they ain't going to give him an instant rematch. But I'm going to be the good friend and support him. But now I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm not. I got this hand deal. He already started seeing the writing on the wall. The other guy wants Marlon Vera. Come on. You didn't lose to him, I thought. But he wants to write the shit. Write what? You didn't lose to him. So he's got to admit he lost to him. I guess at some point, I don't know that you can play both sides, yeah. but he's smart because with Vera, he doesn't have to worry about that incredible pace and that wrestling, which he, remember, he said, I was scared. I was scared the day that I was going to fight Aljamain Sterling. I had this rib injury or something like that. And obviously, Aljo's the greatest. It looked like he really meant that. Even post-fight, he was saying that. Mm-hmm. Going to the ground, man, this thing could just end badly. Well, that's where the Dallas really would take you down. Except again, the hand. Now you got Corey Sanhagen, who like was it the week before, two weeks before, looked amazing. That's another problem, right? Yeah. And now he can kind of get away with saying, "Just give me Vera. I'm popular, Sean O'Malley. Let me do my thing here." And the UFC has been known to back certain fighters that do well for them. At the uh, at at the box office and kind of you know align themselves with they, with what they want to do, so we shall see. Now Henry Cejudo came out on his YouTube channel and he says he heard there was only three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand buys. He says he said friends at ESPN and that's what he was told that maybe O'Malley isn't the seller that he think he thinks he is. Now Cejudo's been in this game long enough to know that obviously if this is anywhere close to bullshit. He's going to get lit up. Why put that out there if you know you're going to get love, lit up, especially if you're if you're not close? Now, he could also be shielded and protected because he knows that no one's going to put the actual number out there. So basically, mm-hmm. it'll be his word or against whoever, and maybe this gets under O'Malley's skin or who knows what. I keep forgetting about the Cejudo name. But Cejudo, has, his name has been said before by Sean O'Malley, who said, pipe down to Vera because otherwise I'll pick Cejudo. And Cejudo probably is thinking, hell yeah. Yeah, Cejudo in his last fight, he looked like he maybe lost a little bit of a step. But I I still think uh, his level of expertise would be an absolute nightmare for Sean O'Malley. And his uh, fight IQ, too, I think would come into play. I don't think the UFC would like. I mean, I think they genuinely like Sean O'Malley. I think mm. they would keep Cejudo away. Um, mm. The way Sanhagen looked in his last fight, he looked pretty damn incredible too. But you know, uh, he's got he's got the tricep injury. Yeah, the UFC would be smart to put Cejudo against Sanhagen to eliminate one of those two mm-hmm. in the O'Malley sweepstakes. If O'Malley were to get past Vera, and honestly, if Vera beats O'Malley, I think he becomes an even bigger name. He's now 2-0 against O'Malley. He won't have to face O'Malley anytime soon. 
I think the UMA takes back Vera, you know, and, and they get that guy out of the way. But you still got Marab. Marab, Sanhagen, and Cejudo are problems for any of those two. You can't protect them. You just have to face reality that it doesn't matter who's at the top of that division. That's going to change hands. There's just way too many good, good fighters. Yeah. That's certainly, certainly true. And certainly, certainly possible that this thing could just rotate one after the next. Vanaway, get on board, folks. It is popping. So Hudo did scold Marav and told him, hey, look, this guy just likes to wrestle. He goes, that comes from a guy that grew up in wrestling. Wrestling is just it's not what the fans want. And that's why he likes, he, he says striking is fun, punching is fun. So he's trying to be an advisor, I think, a little bit to uh, the division through his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I may not have given away was, did I tell you who made it? I, I, I did, right? I, I think I said Pratis, Peterson, and Oki, right? Got the contracts? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're done with the NY Contender Series. That's some of the latest news out there. A lot of it having to do with Bantamweight, the, the Bantamweight division. And uh, so let's get to our guest. She's got a fight coming up at Lion Fight. And that's a Muay Thai organization that we haven't said much about in the last few years. So a lot of you could easily say, well, what's that? What's Lion's Fight? And then there's a lot of you veterans of the show, longtime listeners, or, or just maybe longtime fans of combat sports that know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, Lion Fight is so strictly Muay Thai. And they used to do a lot of shows in Vegas. Then they kind of started taking the show on the road. They went to Connecticut a lot and then the other cities. But it's really, really a fun night out. And we've caught a lot of their shows. And we've caught a lot of MMA fighters on their shows uh, who were either doing just a cameo and then going back to MMA or started there and then came over to MMA and or like Jesse Jess. Uh, it could be that MMA is now over and this is the start of a new career. Who knows? But it's really, really cool. It's in a ring and they're on Fight TV on the 23rd. We'll talk about this with Jesse Jess here. Junkie Nation, what is going on? Gorgeous George and Ghost checking in again. Look who we brought back after a long time. It's Jessica Rose Clark, Jesse Jess, who is now going to be fighting for Lion Fight at Lion Fight 75 here in Las Vegas on Saturday, September 23rd at the theater at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. You can catch the fights live on Fight TV. And that's at 8 p.m. local, 11 p.m. Eastern. Welcome back, Jesse. Jess, how are you? Thank you. Good. Have, thanks for having me. All right. So do we have an opponent yet? Because the last time I checked the website and I'm looking on Topology, I'm not seeing you matched up yet. I don't know. I have no idea. I just saw I'm fighting on September 23rd. I might okay. not even know who I'm fighting until I get to the Wayne. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. let me ask you from an ec- economical side. Let's just say they were to throw the world's baddest uh, Muay Thai fighter at you. Wouldn't that be a different paycheck and agreement than someone that's 0-10 maybe? I don't know. that, that, that 
Yeah. Well, that that's why that's why they haven't uh, solidified an opponent yet because everyone that's volunteered has been like world champion Muay Thai fighters. Oh. So yeah, yeah. So I think because I've never like obviously I have combat sports experience, I have MMA experience, but I've never fought Muay Thai. So this is my debut in that sport. You know, that's kind of been the hard the hard part is to find someone whose experience level makes sense for me to fight, but whose experience isn't all in the one sport that I'm just starting out in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do they at least have names on standby if they haven't at least oh, fit the criteria? I mean, you yeah, know you're gonna yeah. fight, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like we we have some names. It's just who's it's just like who kind of says yes first, you know? Okay. Yeah, so it's it's not like there's no knowledge. Like I have I know who I know who they're talking to. Got it. Now yeah. you've been a free agent, I think, for about three or four months. Yeah. Did Lion Fight scoop you up and sign you to uh multi fights? Is this just a one stop? Um and I ask only because I wondered if you had considered bare knuckle other MMA, like update us on how you feel about where you where you stand right now. Yeah, so um, honestly, for the last probably three years, I've been kind of wanting to exit out of MMA and transition into Muay Thai and boxing. And then so when my contract ended after that fight in May um, and I came back to CSA and I talked to coach, I think two weeks after, and he was like, well, there's a Lion Fight event. Originally, it was supposed to be, I think, August 12th was the event date. And he's like, there's a line fight event on August. Do you want to fight on it? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And he called Scott straight away and was like, I have Jesse Jess. She's a free agent now. Like, do you want her? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so that was always the initial plan. You know, we were talking about, you know, do I want to go into pro boxing? Do I want to try to go to 1FC? Um, but I also felt like, you know, the last few years, because I haven't particularly been enjoying MMA that much, like I am a little older and my body's just not holding up to the wrestling and that as well as it used to. And so it just took a lot of the love out of it. Um, so I didn't really want to get stuck in that situation again, where I was, I was committed to a particular sport without trying a bunch of other ones. So the plan was always to do a Muay Thai fight first and then do a boxing fight and then kind of just test the waters in both and see what I enjoy more. I might, I highly doubt it, but like, I might hate fighting Muay Thai. I don't know. I doubt it because that's what I do every single day. And I already know I love it, but I just didn't want to get stuck in the same sort of situation. So this lion fight one, I'm super excited about. Um, what happens after that? I'm not entirely sure. Like coach and I kind of have a few different plans. It just really depends on how I feel after this fight. This is what's called the follow-up question. Well, what kind of plans? Can you share those? Um, well, I have. I really want to fight boxing as well. I really want to try my hand at pro boxing. Um, okay. It's just like, like it would be super cool to go and fight for 1FC. I know they've been talking about uh, doing boxing as well. Like I've always wanted to fight the Muay Thai in the little, in the four ounce gloves. I yeah. think that would be an amazing experience. Um but at this stage, honestly, like I was, I was with the UFC for six years or whatever, and so committed to that. It kind of feels nice to not really have, to not have to do anything right now. So that's why right. like, I didn't really want to, like we talked about, you know, maybe, maybe trying to go to Bellator or something like that, but I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be locked into something. I've been locked in for the last few years and I just like, I just wanted to have a bit of freedom and just do the things that I love to do and, and not be 
so committed that if I decided I wasn't really enjoying it that much, I like I didn't want to have to keep fighting in, in any particular sport, if that makes sense. But yeah. I do want to fight boxing after this one. You know, I'm super excited to finally get to do Muay Thai. I've been wanting to do it since I've been at CSA. Um, and then I think the next one after that, I'll try to get I'll try to get a boxing fight. All right, cool. Now we'll, we'll come back to this lion fight in just a second, but I want to make sure I guess we get it all right here. So, for example, when Masvidal had Pearl Gonzalez boxing for him, you'd like to do something like that. Or what about yeah. like um, Paige Van Zant running back in bare knuckle? Like, are you open to bare knuckle? I'm as not well? fighting bare knuckle. Absolutely. No bare knuckle. I'm not fighting oh. bare knuckle. To Marley. I just I have I have no desire yeah, to do it. Yeah, no, they'd, they'd have to offer me stupid money for me to even consider it. But I have like I'm on camera for Harley Davidson every month. You know, I have I have on screen plans beyond fighting. And because I am 36 mm. this year, I'm not fighting for that much longer. So I'm not willing to to risk the damage to my face, which is what's going to be on camera just for a quick paycheck. You know, so. I would, obviously, there's still the risk with boxing and Muay Thai, but in bare knuckle, it's just bone on face. Like it doesn't make. I don't want to be Luke Rockhold, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to get cut. I don't want to be. I see how Taylor Starling looks after a fight. It's like I have no desire to do that mm. because my plan. I have I, now that I'm at the end of my career, my plans beyond fighting involve me being being present as presentable as I can be on camera. I see. Okay. Yeah. So you're kind of scratching a couple of liches that you've always had as yeah. you slowly exit combat sports. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I still, yeah. especially now that I'm not wrestling um, and Muay Thai is way, like I'm able to train at a, I feel like I'm able to train at a much higher level in intensity now uh -huh. that I'm just doing striking sports than what I was when I was doing MMA because MMA was just beating up my body so much and I just was, I was struggling every day, you know. Um, and so, so I think if I was sick to striking, I've got a couple of years left in me. But it's also that's also why I didn't want to sign and commit to another promotion long term because I don't know how long I want to fight for. Like I'm, I definitely it'd be cool to go. It'd be cool to have a bunch of Muay Thai fights with Lion Fight and win a world title. Would be sick. I'd love to have that. You know, yeah. um, it'd be cool to get a bunch of boxing fights and like try to get on, try to get on MVP, try to get on Game Red Boxing. You know, try to get on Misfits and 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 those bigger promotions. That would be. I want to do that. Um, I'd love to do all those things before I hang it up, but I'm kind of giving myself like the next three or four years to get all of that done. Uh -huh. Because right now I, I do have more on-camera stuff in the works. You know, I, I do film every month for Harley Davidson. I do have, you know, potential movie offers coming up. I have other television offers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just don't want to be too committed to anything so I can just kind of just be free and do what makes me happy and what I want to do. Last question regarding this topic of protecting the money maker yeah um i haven't covered a lion fight in a while we love lion fight we've seen them yeah. have some epic events here but what i do remember jessica is it can get pretty bloody and gory uh yeah. will there be elbows allowed in your match well there is there something that maybe well oh okay hell yeah of course there is i'm not fighting muay thai without elbows well, I wasn't sure because you were talking about the cuts yeah. and protecting the, like I said, yeah. you know. No, absolutely. That's why I said, like, there's still the risk with Muay Thai. There's risk of yeah. getting cut in boxing. I've seen boxing fights where they've gotten cut a bunch of times from the gloves, you know. Um, yeah. But it's very different to being repeatedly punched in the face with bare True. bone. It's a very different story. Like, like there are also Muay Thai fights where none of the elbows connect or they forget that they can throw elbows. So it's not, like, mm -hmm. a guarantee 
that you're going to get cut. Whereas in bare knuckle, it's pretty much a guarantee that your face is going to get pretty damaged. Mm -hmm. Jesse. So what, you know, as George mentioned, we love lion fight and, and yeah. early on in Muay Thai, when a uh, mixed martial artist would go over one of the complaints that we would hear from them is I don't get the scoring, you know, and because the scoring is a little different, right? How yeah. some things are valued more than others. Um, what's your plan there? You know, I'm sure you went over all that and, and all that, but overall, like, do you feel like you're going to have the same type of like nerves you would have going into an MMA fight more or less? Does it feel more like at home maybe? Um, you know, that's a really good question with it. Wait, I'll, I'll, I'll address the scoring thing first, but I, so my Muay Thai coach, obviously Coach Kyrie at CSA has been like the head, the 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 guy for Muay Thai and MMA in America, sorry, for a long time. But we also have uh, Coach Mao who runs a, multiple Muay Thai gyms and has fought, has had like over 50 Muay Thai fights himself, has many fighters under him. Um, so we talk, I work with him three times a week, one-on-one, -on -one, and we talk a lot about the scoring and so that I can understand the sport because it is very different to MMA. I don't know, you know, like I think... I think a lot of the anxiety that I was feeling, like a lot of the the stress and the nerves and anxiety that I was feeling with MMA was because I didn't really want to be there. You know, I didn't really want to, I was going to retire before the Sarah Alpar fight. What was that? Five fights ago. Like that was going to be my last MMA fight. And then I continued for four fights after that when I probably should have, I probably should have switched sports back then, you know, because I just really wasn't enjoying it anymore. So I don't know. Like I, I feel like, this camp has been so much less stressful. It's been so free and so beautiful. And like, I'm enjoying myself every day. It's it. I can, I can only talk about camp right now because I haven't been to the fight yet or experienced that yet. But at this stage, I don't feel anywhere, le anywhere near the level of pressure and anxiety and stress that I would feel through an MMA camp, you know? So I'm hoping that on fight night, it'll be, I'll be more relaxed, but I can't, I don't know. I, I'm really good at overthinking things and stressing myself out over nothing. So I can answer that properly after the fight happens. You talked a little bit about post-fighting. Um, if they were to give you your perfect scenario as far as acting, television, movies, is there a particular character or some like a role that you would just love to play? Um, so I don't really want to do character acting. Uh, I have a few offers for movies now but that is character acting, but that's not really what, um, I don't know, that doesn't really excite me that much. Like, I'll, I'll do it just to experience it so I can say I've done it, but I more want to do hosting and presenting. Like, I want to, right now I host a lot of stuff for Harley, and I love that. I love being on camera. I love talking. I love getting to, like, be myself and, and show my own personality. So I really... I, I have a few ideas for shows that I would like to do. I just have to put myself around the right people to make it happen. But I think, I think I'm going to do more presenting and hosting. Um, but obviously like if, if movies were what came up and what made sense financially and, and from a time perspective, I would do that. That's just not really what my interest is. When I saw that on Instagram, I thought, man, it's too bad the show Mayans is ending because I could have mm -hmm. seen you in a role on a show yeah. like that, which I don't know if that would I would do something like that. Yeah, okay. I would do something like that. Like, you know, if they were doing another Mad Max, I would do Mad Max, you know, stuff like that. But, Mad but in general, yeah, Mad Maxine. <laughs> in general, something where I don't have to talk, like the Tom Hardy character where he had like six lines, perfect. But um, 
Wait, but your yeah. accent's what kills it. I mean, that, that I mean, that kills it good. I mean, like, yeah, I think they would want you to talk. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but a badass yeah, fighter who can, a badass chick who can really fight and knows how to ride motorcycles, and yeah, you know, I would think that once the accent starts flowing, like that, that's what would probably make you more money. Yeah, I mean, maybe everyone I've thought like the the producers that I've talked to so far have told me I don't have to do an American accent, so I'm trying to mm. stick to the Aussie as much as I can. But I really um something like Mayans or that would be would be super cool. I'm really trying to I there's like a bunch of stunt stunt riders up mm -hmm. here in the Bay Area that I'm trying to connect with to go learn how to do wheelies and jumps and burnouts and stuff like that. Um, and I just want to I don't know I just I've spent so long doing things that I don't want to do because I felt like I had to do them that now I really just want to do what makes me happy. Can you answer the next question in, in an American accent? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you an easy one. No, because I'm worried that if I try to do American accents, I'm going to start talking with an American accent because I have way too many foreign friends that live in this country who now have American accents and I'm trying to, I'm doing the best really? I can to hold on to my Aussie accent. Yes. Oh, Wow. I have, I, I have a girl, that. a girl that I went to school with back home, uh, yeah. lives in LA and has lived out here longer than me. And now she has like her accents, probably 60% American, 40% Australian. I'm trying real hard. I watch a ton of Australian shows. I listen to Australian music, like just trying to, trying to keep it strong. Go, go have a few drinks with her in LA and watch how that yeah. accent kicks back. That <laughs> yeah. does the trick. <laughs> you know, it's funny cause, um, on CNN, there's a newscaster named Brianna Keeler, and okay. she has no Aussie accent, but she's originally from Australia. She's yeah. one of their lead anchors, and she How delivers the news. Yeah, she's from Australia originally. Yeah, oh, I wow. think so, some people pick some people. I, I was just um, picking up a new exhaust for my bike the other day out in SoCal, and when I was there, an Australian stunt rider turned up, but he lives in Australia, and he said that he thought my Aussie accent was stronger than his. And then the guy who does all parts of development for that company is Australian, but has lived in the U.S. for 30 years. And he came out and his Aussie accent was still super thick, you know. So I think it really, I think it depends on the person. Because my friend in L.A., she sounds almost American now. Hmm. And she's been here maybe 10 years. Okay. Well, I was yeah. only going to ask you what you have for breakfast today. So you probably could have just got away with eggs. Eggs, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was eggs, eggs and toast. <laughs> hey, is Aussie, 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 oi, 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 like is that cool or is that kind of like the American yeah. equivalent of get him oh, a body cool. bag? You know, those guys that get drunk up there and say yeah. stuff like that. No, that's cool, it'll happen. Oh, People it cool. do that at sporting. I wasn't sure if it was like, like cool, like or if there's more cool stuff, but that's just the the no, more popular stuff. No, that's like that's like the Aussie war cry, like that's a pretty standard Aussie war cry. Ah, yeah, all right. Um, okay. Well, you know, about 10 years. I mean, I, I can't wait, you know, to watch these fights. I won't be able to watch them in person, unfortunately, because I am in, uh, I'm away that weekend, but I'm telling you lion fight about 10 years ago was just cooking, man. It was really, yeah. really like your teammate. I don't know if he's still there. Kevin Ross was headlining a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, he's actually watching Kevin Ross online fight was how I found coach Kieran. Funnily really? Enough. Yes. And I that remember was, he that had was, in, that was some what made bloody come here. Yeah. Yeah, some yeah. pretty bloody matches. Chris Cyborg. I'm just gonna give you the MMA yeah. names. Chris Cyborg, Angela Hill, um, uh, Tiffany Van was more Muay Thai, but she did yeah. uh she did some MMA. Who goes? 
Gaston Bolanos. Gaston Bolanos. Yeah. Hakeem Duwadu was on one of those cards. He just yeah. fought, caught caught uh, Cub Swanson. Yeah. I mean, it was it was really really fun times um, back then. And then they started traveling a little bit, so we wouldn't go as consistently. And then combat yeah. sports just blew up. There's something every weekend, and you get pulled yeah. in so many directions. So when Scott Kent reached out, man, I was so happy that uh, I heard your name in the mix. Uh, yeah, for this I'm card. pretty. I'm pretty stoked. I'm not gonna lie, and I'm glad. I'm pretty happy they made me co-main event too, because it would have been like a little heartbreaking going from being in the biggest promotion in the world to then being like on an undercard on a Muay Thai mm-hmm. event. You know, so I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, yeah, it'll be cool. I'm. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. That's a really nice feeling because I haven't been excited to fight in a few years. So I, I'm. I'm happy that I'm excited about this one. Plus, my mum and my granddad are coming out from Australia, and I haven't seen them in four years, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped that they're going to be That's here. That's awesome. For All right. Well, thank you so much for the little catch-up we did here. Thank you. We wish you the best of luck with the rest of your camp, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Maybe it's yes, sir. in the days leading up to. Again, we won't be able to attend the event, but uh, again, yeah. this was fun, and thanks for your time. Thank you. Well, it sounds like this is where she probably wants to end things. It doesn't sound like MMA's in, of her interest. Nor bare knuckle, so either lion fight or some uh squared circle, some boxing. Mm-hmm. I could see boxing, I think that would be good for her. I, I get why she wouldn't want to do bare knuckle. I mean, even if it wasn't Hollywood, it's just rough, you know, it's got to be even rougher for the females. But uh, I think, um, I think you do lion fight, you see how it goes, but I think boxing is probably where she'll end up. She wants to stack a few checks before she maybe goes Hollywood. Like, you know, what what did she say? A, a few scripts. Mm-hmm. And she's got the show hosting, hosting. with Harley Davidson. Um, it's got to be the right script. She doesn't want to lose the accent. But it sounds like she does get approached. And that's good. I think she's definitely marketable in that end. Because she's got definitely a look to her right you can't probably do a romantic comedy with her um mm-hmm. but you can do something like with what i suggested i guess and, and she liked the, the mayan suggestion so, so maybe some television or or just certain roles i wish her the best honestly she couldn't have been any nicer when she lived in vegas or was staying in vegas and uh even brought us vegemite remember that yeah i remember that which is, I guess, I, I think I came up with the, the word awful. That's the best I could do. Uh, or, or uh, I mean, I don't remember it even being slightly good to you. I don't really remember what it tasted like. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I'd rather taste Yogi's poo instead of it. Not like that. Level. I just remember tasting it and going, you know, yeah, like, I'll finish this. I'll be polite. But I don't see myself ever wanting to eat this again. Well, it's not in our fridge. So, yeah, and she, to her credit, never promoted it as such. Like, here it comes, you know, here comes a a chocolate, you know, Sunday or anything like that. I mean, but it was nice of her to come and and do that. And Mm -hmm. we always have good chats. So thank you to Jesse Jess for her time. Goes here's something that I don't discuss too often on the show. As you all know, I have a lot to do with the rankings that are released on USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie. 
here's a big move. And I wanted to see what you thought. I haven't ran these by you. So either get a pen and paper or just kind of close your eyes and concentrate. As I tell you, the newest top 15 in the pound for pound rankings. You ready? Oh, boy. Okay. You want to do the pen and paper or are you just going to try and uh, take it one by one? Try and take it one by one. All right. Number one, Alexander Volkanovsky. Number two, John Jones. Number three, Demetrius Johnson. Now, I want to stop there. Why Volkanovsky ahead of Jones? I'm sure a lot of you are saying. Because Jones has won and dominated at light heavyweight, for sure, the GOAT. Then he comes in and captures a second gold, which I've always held against him in the past. True. Especially when we compared him to GSP and we talk about GOATs. But. At Junkie, we like to emphasize the last 36 months. That's got to pop the most, which basically is the last three years. Jones only has the one fight against Gunn. So it wasn't even against the best heavyweight, honestly, not the number one ranked heavyweight, which was still Francis Ngannou. And before that, everything else was basically the last of his, you know, if we go five years, which sometimes we, there's like an outer ring that we still push it a little bit. If we can't get enough out of the first 36 months, three years, but come on, who hasn't fought in three years? Well, Jones, only once. And then if we go to outside of that, I think his last fight would have been probably Reyes, I think, is when he exited light heavyweight. And even that one was close. You know, like a lot of people even thought Dominic Reyes won. Now, all this while Volkanovski's just been pounding away and dominating featherweight almost as impressively as John has. Almost. Um, I mean... He's got four or five title defenses or something like that. and But he's basically done a good job of cleaning it out. And he also had a longer road to the title. So he had some skins on the wall to get there and then title defenses. He did go up and unsuccessfully try to become the lightweight champ. Mm -hmm. But, again, when I looked at both resumes, I just said, man, at this moment, I still think Alexander Volkanovsky is uh, number one. So I could be challenged on that, and I, would, I wouldn't call you crazy. So we go to Demetrius Johnson after John Jones and Volkanovsky, who basically was, I mean, he was looking like the GOAT for a while. Then he take that loss to Adriano Marias, but not only did he avenge it, he broke the tie. So he's got that in his rear view mirror, and he's got a, he added a Grand Prix title, and he added a, another title, meaning the one champion title, and then another title defense. So he's got 12 title defenses now. In number four, Israel Adesanya. Number five, Leon Edwards. Number six, Kamaru Usman. Number seven, Islam Makashev. I know a lot of people say, Makashev uh, behind Usman? He's a champ. Usman isn't. True. But Usman did have like five title defenses. Let's not forget. And he has only lost to the guy at number five. So that's not so bad. I mean, I think he went 15 straight without losing before coming up on this with all those title events. You don't just forget all that. You don't just go, oh, he lost, bounce him. No, you got to basically gauge that whole resume and what they've done versus what has Makashev done. What has Makashev done? He's blitzed through lightweight. He did take one loss, got knocked out. But since then, that's it. Winning, 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 winning. He didn't have the most difficult road to the title. He went through Hooker and was it uh, Bobby Green and then boom, title shot. But he smoked Oliveira. 
And now he did have one title defense, but again, if I'm picking here, if I'm nitpicking, he had it against a featherweight. A great one, but he did beat Volkanovski. Close call, though. It was close. But I'm still not there with just throwing him to the top. I think even he thinks he's the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and he's just not. Others have done greater things for longer periods of time. Um, Number eight, Sean O'Malley. Why? Well, for one, he's 17-1. and So poor Sean O'Malley. Ghost pointed out the other day I was spinning back. Like, the guy's never a favorite. The guy probably won't be a favorite maybe going forward. I mean, I guess he is against Cheeto Vera. But other than that, I don't think he will be against the other beasts that we discussed earlier. Uh, But he's 17-1. and He's beaten some good fighters, two former champs in Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. So now he's got that weight at the top of the resume, those names. And no title offenses, but again, he just beat Aljamain Sterling, knocked him out. I had to put him in front of Sterling. Excuse me. Sterling's next, by the way, because that's kind of where he was, and we had to knock him down to respect the pound for uh, the head-to-head. But he had his three title defenses, and uh, he's behind Sean O'Malley. Then comes Patricio Frady, who has been a champ at featherweight. And at uh, lightweight, finishes everywhere. You can relate him to the names. Like, there's no bums here. He's fought a few bums, but basically, for the most part, he's fought really legit talent for a long time. It would have been crazy, honestly, if he beat Sergio Pettis. I can't believe that he didn't beat him. And I know that sounds bad to Sergio Pettis, but Sergio obviously struggled a little bit, seems to have turned the page. But I just thought, man, Patricio, if he's going up and winning, how's he not? And 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 beating AJ McKee, man. Yeah. You know, coming back to avenge that is nice. That that just shows how tough he really is. There's there hasn't been a downfall. But I think that weight cut must have done something. I don't know, because I either that or Sergio just got really, really good after that knee injury. But anyway. I, I just felt like he it's just gonna sound weird because he went down. But he seemed slower. Like uh, I think it was a weight cut thing because he just seemed like he had no energy. Yeah, he didn't seem like the Patricia we know. Number eleven, Francis Ngannou. He's slowly been dropping because I mean, look, I respect you. You're the baddest man on the planet, but you haven't defended your title since you beat what was it, Cyril Gone in January of 2022. This is August. Let's call it September of 2023. <clears throat> Not only have you not defended, you haven't fought. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do here? You know, like as others are enjoying their successes, they're going to jump ahead of you. And uh, he does have the three losses, for example. Let's not forget that. Uh, if I wanted to be a jerk, I could say O'Malley never had that dud like he had had against Derek Lewis, obviously. Uh, O'Malley doesn't have a title defense like Nganu, but O'Malley's only got the one loss. Nganu's got three losses. So. This one's tough, man. It's not easy. Jamal Hill's next. He'll slowly probably be dropping as well. There's vacant title. There's no one at the top of 205. But he's the best 205-er out there, I think. Uh, it's not like he beat Prashaska. But Prashaska had to relinquish, and now he had to relinquish. But he's slowly going to drop out as well as others enjoy success. Charles Oliveira, incredible 10-fight win streak until he lost two. Islam Makachev, I guess no shame in that. And then he bounced back with a nice win over Benil Dariush, shutting down his seven or eight fight win streak. 
Alexander Pantoja, he debuted a little bit lower because he beat Brandon Marino, who has kind of one loss, one loss with that whole Figgy series, whereas O'Malley got over on Sterling, and Sterling was just a more consistent winner at a higher position. That's why Pantoja mm -hmm. didn't splash as much as O'Malley. Plus, again, O'Malley's only got the one loss. Pantoja's got, like, what, four or five? You know, like, you got to hold some of those things against them. So Marino's at 15, and then our honorable mention is Ryan Bader, who at one time held two titles. Very respectable run in the UFC. Now he's just a heavyweight division. He's uh, he's slowly been exiting, and I think he's at the end of his career. Alex Fajeda, who uh, beat Israel Adesanya and then lost to Israel Adesanya and now has beaten Blahovich. So, again, pound for pound, he's showing us in two different divisions that he can get down, but he's just not a champ. Can't put him up there with some of the others. Max Holloway's the other one. Max hasn't really had much in success in another weight class other than featherweight, but featherweight, he's been a beast. He's as mm -hmm. solid as a number two in any weight class as there is, so he has to be there. But that's how competitive it is. Your thoughts? All right, so to start, I get where you're going with Volk over John Jones, mm -hmm. and I feel it too, but I just feel like you have to put John Jones ahead um, just because he just never lost that light heavyweight and going up in weight and capturing a title should hold a lot. Now, granted, it wasn't the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. Mm -hmm. And we might find out in the next one that maybe it was just that, you know, maybe it gets steamrolled by Stipe. Who knows? But that's well, let me ask you something. Let's say you went, in October, by then they played about six college football games, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to call John Jones Alabama because he's basically been what Alabama's been the last 15 years—just the absolute powerhouse. I, I know Georgia's been kicking Alabama's butt, but I think it's easier to use Alabama. So you log in; it's like week six or seven. You're like, "Hey, what's USA Today got? Where, where are my Trojans?" And you look, and let's say the Trojans are undefeated; they're seven and zero. But they're number two behind Alabama, who's 1-0. Granted, you're not taking anything away from Alabama, but you're like, ah, but 1-0 and 7-0, what's going on here? We're winning games, and this other team's just kind of riding that one big win. Let's say they took out Georgia. But other than that, they just haven't been playing, whereas USC's been playing this team and that team and this team, some on the road, some uh, more favored than them, some at home, some at a neutral site. That's kind of what I'm – I hear what you're saying. The guy's just never lost. I don't even hold him at Hamill lost against him, but he just hasn't fought much. You know what I mean? And while everyone else is throwing elbows, like, a, you know, in roller derby when they're run or skating around and they're throwing elbows and trying to get ahead. I feel like that's what they're doing. And John Jones is in the middle of the roller rink and eight guys are carrying him and, and one person's feeding him grace. And he's just not doing nothing. He's not part of the roller derby. Like he's, I don't know. So I give him two, but I just can't give him one because he's just not active much, you know. And then and then he, he won. He did win, but he had some close calls at the end. But he was mm -hmm. winning. I won't take that away. But I think that's what really just stands out is one guy's grinding. And if John Jones had fought as many times as Volkanovski had in the last three years, with the way he had some close calls, I don't know. He might take some else. One way to not lose goes is to not fight. Like, I'm undefeated as an MMA fighter. Mm -hmm. No. I guess if I'm John Jones, this is a press conference, I would say something along the lines of, 
look, the reason we're in this discussion is because we're all great fighters in our own division. But we're not talking about our own division. We're talking about pound for pound and how we've tested ourselves throughout the years and moving up and moving down in divisions. I moved up in a division and I won. He moved up in a division and he lost. That's why I feel like I stand out above this guy. Okay. You said, John, how you've done over the years. How did you do in 2022? How did you do in 2021? Never lost. Never fought. Never lost either, though. And I did a lot. You can't lose if you don't fight. But I did a lot before that. True. And that's why you were like number one for like the last 10 years. Well, I guess him and Demetrius. I get it. I get it. Um, It's. I, I did start off by saying I don't think I'd hold it against anyone who said that for sure. Um, but like probably when he fights his next one, and if he blasts Miocic, which again, dude, he's look, let's be honest, he's catching Miocic on the tail end. He's 40 now. It's not like beating Miocic when he was 36. But if he beats Miocic, he beats Miocic. It's another win. And now you can say, you know, in the last year I fought twice. Okay, you know, and, and so now it's a little bit easier. He may and, just sail off on the sunset, and that might be what he wants to do. But did you see that he did an interview recently, like an hour-long podcast? He rarely does it for that long, except when he's on our show back in the day, um, or apparently this show. And on this show, he did say Aspinall has some skills, yeah. and so does Sergei Pavlovich. And who knows, if they show me something, he might kind of stick around. No, I don't know if that's him bullshitting or not, but um, that was kind of exciting to hear because he really is. He started off so young and had success so young that even though he's been around forever, he's still kind of young. He's only like 35, I think, 36. And and heavyweights can fight till they're 40 usually at a pretty high level. Now, one advantage of not fighting is no wear and tear, not, not getting your bell rung and all that for a few years. Right. And, he, and now he doesn't have the weight cut. So who knows? I think he could really, really cement things where like it would take decades for anyone to ever top it. Even Habib, who's undefeated, can't stand next to John Jones because he only had the three title offenses. John's at, at what, 11, I think. Mm-hmm. The next one would be number 12, tying Demetrius Johnson at high, high level, you know, MMA. Um, That one would really, really be difficult. But I, I, I think... What would make me really, really happy is if he could beat Miocic and then take out at least one of the two big guns. I, I Look, Miocic, I think, holds the record for most title offenses, either three or four. I can't remember. But um, if you can beat Miocic and then either tie that number or actually beat it to have the most title defenses in two different weight classes and beat these all-time greats like a Miocic and a DC and a whoever else was along the way, I mean, honestly, it... Someone would have to go fucking 40 and 0 and win in two different weight classes to top John Jones. And in this day and age, who, who's going to do that? I, I want to see him. You're right. If he beats Stipe, there's a little bit of an asterisk next to it just because right now Stipe's a fireman who's doing mixed martial arts. And it used to be the other way around, right? So he's older. I, I don't know. I'm just not feeling that too much. The guy that I think, if I had to pick between Aspinall and Pavlovich, I'd rather see him fight Pavlovich. I think uh, Pavlovich is more of a problem. If he does that, then yeah, what are you going to do, man? I mean, that that's more of a skilled fighter. I, yeah, they're both good, but I love Aspinall's footwork. 
his ability to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. And that hand speed is something else, honestly. Um, but I'd like for him to fight both, to tell you the truth. Hopefully they don't oh, match yeah. them up together. Um, the last thing I wanted to say was, I forgot. Oh, of course, there's Francis Ngannou. I think that's another thing that chaps my hide a little bit, that he didn't face him. And in my opinion, I think he stayed away from him. I would never call him a coward or say one's scared to fight someone else. But I think one does try and protect their legacy somewhat mm-hmm. and sees someone else as oh, a threat. Yeah. John Jones, when – think about this. When Francis Ngannou won his fight, I think it was over Jar- Jarzinho in like May of 2020, that was three months after Jones said, I'm not going to fight at light heavyweight anymore after he beat Reyes, and I'm going to move up to heavyweight. And then, uh, if I got this right, then about six months later, John Jones goes, what's up? 260. I'm here. I'm ready. All right? 260. That's five points away from being too heavy. Sorry, five pounds away from being too heavy. And he was ready and big. And then after that, Nganu beats Miocic. And then a whole almost year later defends against Gon. That was about a good 18 months when Jones could have fought in Gon. And mm-hmm. he just didn't. Um, and for him to say, hey, you're gone. You left. Nah, 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 nah. That guy wanted to test free agency and get a big boxing fight, which he has. Now he's no longer in the UFC. He'll have to live with the talent that's at the PFL that won't help add to the resume unless they get other big names. But still, he will have secured a big bag there. Uh, a lot of respect from people for standing up for his, his values and all that stuff that he stood up for. Truth. But but no, John Jones. But that's one thing also, too, that I don't like is that I think John Jones uh, didn't make himself available in, during the time in which he could have. And he's trying to put that more on and gone to. And I think he's wrong there. Yeah. Um, yeah he has no he, play. After he beat, and he even admitted in that interview, man, I think Ngannou would have been a, a tougher matchup. Uh, all right, on this week's schedule for whatever you think might be going on, there's no Bellator, no PFL. It's just UFC Fight Night 226, Gone versus Spivak. That's at the top of the bill. They're in Paris, so Gone is from Paris, France. This He should get a, a good reception, although he is going to still shake off that horrific loss to John Jones. This is his first time back here. Uh, Diago, sorry, Manon Fierro versus Rose Nama Yunus in the co-main event. Diago Moises against Benoit Saint-Denis. Volkan Ozdemir against Bogdan Guskov. Giannis Gememori versus Colin Lochran. Now, any other big names? Uh, Jocelyn Edwards, Reese McKee, Clayson Rodriguez, Zaira Fern, they're all on the card. Check it out. The fights can be seen at, remember, they're in Paris, France. Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on ESPN Plus for the prelims. Then the main card, they stick with ESPN Plus, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Goes just between you and I. Right about when the main card starts, Logan and the Portland State Vikings will be taking the field at Altson Stadium against the number 15-ranked Oregon Ducks. Logan, I believe, is the... Number two quarterback, he solidified the backup spot. The incumbent, a starter last year, is still there, still the number one guy. His name is Dante Kashir, I believe. Good, good player, too. 
Um, but Logan does expect some playing time. So if anybody's curious, like from time to time, do get asked. But just to say that kind of gives me goosebumps. I used to kind of trip out like, hey, he's going against Water Day or St. John Bosco. And now I'm saying he's going against the fucking Oregon Ducks. You know, and so that's pretty huge. And I hope he does get on the field and I hope he does do good. Now, look, I'm not going to play any games here. Oregon's number 15, man. And this is a this is a team that these these other guys play in the Big Sky Conference. These guys play in the Pac-12. And they play in big ball games. You know they they put guys in the NFL. This this possibly could get ugly. I don't know. I hope it doesn't. I hope it's a good game. And when Logan did play against those high school powerhouses, he held his own. They may have gotten blitzed by four or five touchdowns, but he had like ten for seventeen, two touchdowns, no picks. You know, one hundred and seventy yards. You know, but he was getting rushed by five stars, and mm-hmm. his five stars were covering his receivers like you know you do the best that you can but um that's that's kind of what's going down on saturday for for that deal right there cool um goes and i will be hosting on watch along on september 9th saturday september 9th here in north america you'll see september 10th that's because they're fighting on australia the next day right because of the time change but it will be the normal start time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific here on mma junkie We'll do our normal thing of four prelim fights, and then we got the pay-per-view fights after that. Watch the fights along with us, uh, especially if you don't get the pay-per-view. We will tell you what's happening in real time. Robert Drysdale joins us, joins us, joined us for the last one. So it was a fun time, and we basically do every pay-per-view. Count on it, and that's us starting the promotion for that one. And don't forget that Goes and I do do the spinning back click. So if you want more of this, us discussing the latest news, we do it with our colleagues every Monday. It's usually, pay attention here, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. However, during during the White Contender Series, we've moved it up an hour, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, and then we turn it over to the Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins. So once that's over, we'll go back to 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. However, we're off on Monday. And we rarely take uh, Mondays off. Goes created this show about three years ago now, maybe even four. Maybe four. Maybe four. And I swear, I think I could count on one hand, and I wouldn't even get to the pinky, how many Mondays we've taken off. We've done this show a lot. But we have some people covering the show in France, two people that are part of what sometimes comprises the panel. And then we have a major holiday in Labor Day. And I guess this is a good chance to say, everyone, and this is kind of almost the end of summer. I personally think the summer ends on September 26th. But um, for many, obviously, he's back in school and, you know, starting that routine. And you got uh, corny people like back in Bethlehem that'll say, oh, this is when the, the seasons change and the, the leaves change color. No, I'm just kidding. That's a shot of my buddy Samuel Jam. But he does say, say that the fall in Bethlehem is beautiful. I, I, honestly, it goes autumn's probably my favorite season. Mine too. Well, I do like winter. Yeah. It, might, it might still be autumn, though. You were going to say something? Yeah, one, one thing before we close out. Are we going to have to move to Saudi Arabia? Because a lot's going down down there? Well, did you see they bought a, a piece, a group out there bought a piece of PFL? Yeah. Dude, like between what you see goes on, like, you know, F1, uh, Premier League, boxing, 
uh, some of the projects that they're building out there that uh, are pretty damn amazing. That they are really jumping into sports, dude. Golf, right? What they did there. Mm. And they got the big boxing match with Fury and Ngannou too. And mm-hmm. they've had a lot of other boxing matches and exhibitions. And I think the WWE's gone pretty strong over there. I a think lot. that country's still developing and fixing a lot of the things that many of us probably wouldn't agree with, the way they comport themselves. But I mm-hmm. think there is a change being made. It'll take years. Um, I hear what you're saying, though. Yeah, a lot lot out there. Good, good thing we have a reporter in that region who can hopefully get to some of that. Uh, but, yeah, they own part of PFL now. I think that happened with the UFC. The UFC had a 10% stake. Remember with, what was it, Flash Entertainment? I think they were called. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think more than anything, they get capital to invest right now. And then I don't know if there's an option to buy back or if they're just partners going forward. Who knows? But, yep. Uh, check out MMA Junkie, obviously, for the latest news. We have that covered along with all the, everything else that's going on in our sport. So we're out of here. We'll see you all. Let's see here on Monday. We'll still do our show, but there will be no spinning back click. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. Go out and be a champion.